RJ Hunter. RJ, how are you doing? I'm doing good, bro. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. Pleasure to have you on. The reason why I wanted you on is I was scrolling through TikTok. Uh-huh. And it was like March Madness Greatest Shots. Uh-huh. And we'll talk about that game later. Mm-hmm. But it was that it was that three. And I was like, okay, I gotta figure out who his agent is, contact him and get him on. <laughs> so I appreciate you doing this. Let's get started. So born in Ohio, moved to Indiana, play Indiana basketball. Yeah. It the that is like the number one basketball state. I feel like basketball's all they yeah. got, really. Yeah, I'm biased, but I what uh what was it? What was your what was growing up like playing basketball there? Yeah, so I was born in Oxford, Ohio, because uh, my dad was coaching at Miami of Ohio University at the time as an assistant coach. Yeah. <clears throat> so I was born there. We only lived there like six months. And then uh, he got the IUPUI job in Indy, which mm-hmm. was IA at the time. Mm-hmm. And he cut the stages with them for years for them to go Division One. So uh, I lived in Indy for 17 years. Like you said, just playing high school in Indy is nuts, like. You know, they just, they're just weird about it there. Like, it's yeah. like a religion, you know? Like, yeah. I don't know if the Hoosier movie set it off back in the day. I don't know. Uh, is it just like, we've had really good players come out, the Larry Bird situation. I don't know what it is, but it's like, it's it's like an energy in the air when you're in a basketball gym there. Yeah, I and feel like it's probably a mix of Hoosiers. Like, sorry, I mean to cut you off. People from other states say, uh, like everyone's house in India as a hoop, like just stuff that I don't really realize, just little things like that. You know, it's a little culty though. Yeah, I bet. You know, I definitely Hoosiers probably set it off, and it doesn't help when Bobby Knight and yep. the actual Hoosiers yep. are dominating college basketball. Yep. Yeah. So your dad, like you said, dad was a basketball coach. He's at Georgia State. Did you always want to grow up playing with your dad? Like playing for your dad? Uh, yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't sure just because like I watched him and he's a nut. So like I'm a pretty laid back player. So I was like, do I want to have him running up and down screaming all game, or like don't want to go a different direction? But yeah. like you always know your people have your best interests at heart, and yeah. hard to go elsewhere and to go f- to a bigger conference or school or situation over family. So that's yeah. just something myself doing doing that so that was always in the back of my mind that I was always going to play for him or have something to do with him at some point yeah did you uh like what other schools were you considering like what was the other schools that you were looking at uh bro this is like what is this 20 this is back like 2011 2010 this is a throwback oh yeah uh, I remember I remember I was looking at Iowa heavy I was looking at Iowa heavy and I remember Iowa Wake Forest and Miami and Florida. I was looking at like real serious, yeah. but they were really too too serious about me. You know, like they thought I'd be a great piece of what they had going on. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't I didn't get wild interest recruiting wise. Okay. Yeah. All right. So so that made the Georgia State pick pretty easy at that point. Yep, very much. Um, done. And you did pretty well right mm-hmm. off right off the bat. Um, what what is the like? Does it feel weird? Like, does it you notice a difference because you guys switched conferences from freshman and sophomore year? Yeah, from CAA to the Sun Belt. Did you notice yeah. that? Yeah, because the CAA at the time was nice. Like they had George Mason, who was still good. They had VCU. Mm-hmm. 
at like ODU. So that it was nice. And someone coming from high school playing to a good conference, I was like, okay, college is serious. And when we switched, I'm not saying that that conference wasn't serious, but it was for sure easier. And like that season, easier to kind of gauge and stretch marathon for and kind of like play the long game for the conference tournament because it um that's the other thing about those conferences you got to win the conference tournament so yeah. we went on my junior year and didn't make it. it's give and take switching to a smaller conference because you don't really get respect when it counts but you can run the table so it depends yeah. on yeah especially like those one bid conferences yeah like about like uh like plenty others um so you got you went through you're at i mean averaging 17 your freshman year 18 your sophomore year and then 20 your junior year mm-hmm. um what did you notice about your game to where you were able to elevate and be a more lethal scorer um mm-hmm. uh, i don't know i'm a player to where confidence kind of compounds so if i have a good season like just how i move in the off season is different how i you know how i improve what i'm thinking on is more clear so i just think it's confidence like yeah. One year, sophomore year, though, I had went to the LeBron James camps and the Kevin Durant camps and just playing against the elite of the elite. Yeah. And right away, when I went to go play pickup back home, like, I, it was just different. Like, I was just moving a little different. Everything was slower. So, you start to play against better defenses. You start to play against better players, and you're still improving. Mm-hmm. And I just think I was still kind of coming into my game and my body at the time. Like, I'm a late bloomer. So, it was a combination of a lot of things for me. Yeah, did you uh... – did you ever play AAU? Yeah. Who? What was What was your circuit like? So I played AAU with uh, Gary Harris. Actually, to start it off, I played with Yogi Ferrell, and Yogi Ferrell's dad was our coach. And Yogi Ferrell was like number one player in the nation. Like he was nasty. Like he was yeah. small. Like he was nasty as he is today. Pause. And he was just like, and his dad was a coach, and uh, we won. We actually came in national second. I won nationals year before. This is like third or fourth grade, but in Indy. Oh, like, yeah. That's serious. Yeah. So I, I and I kind of fluttered around and then played with Gary Harris high school from like eighth eighth grade from freshman on until junior year. Yeah. And we're kind of switching teams, trying to have trouble finding like a sponsorship. Like it was kind of iffy, but we were nice. And we were playing like we were playing 14. We were 14 you playing like 17 U tournaments going to win. Oh, wow. We were we were super legit. So we were just hoopers. Like we didn't really care about the the clout or like the <clears throat> The super recognition of travel ball. We just wanted to travel and play against the best hoopers, bro. Yeah. And I'm not the new the new shit that they do it is is lame because I like how the youngins like content themselves, put it out when they hoop. They travel in the hoop and people want to see that. No matter how old you are, but we was just doing yeah. it was different. Yeah, you know it's a lot. AU is massive now. Mm-hmm. That's where you get all your. I mean, you got 15, 16 year olds with hundreds of thousands of followers across mm-hmm. all these platforms it's really cool to see like how it's evolved to more mm-hmm. than just travel ball mm-hmm. it's, a whole, it's a whole event yeah every, sure. every single time yeah but um i, I always love aau tournaments i've been to a couple mm-hmm. and it's a wild atmosphere it's energy it's just a ton of energy. We've done stuff for seven on seven football here mm-hmm. in North Texas, and it ha- not it's not the same. It's mm-hmm. intense, 
but just being in an arena where there's like three games going at once mm-hmm. is just a whole nother level. Um, let's talk March Madness. Mm-hmm. March Madness. He was super optimistic because we did plan well. We were down three and Torian Prince like shot like a three that like rimmed out and like clinked in at the end. So it was really tied to us. So we, we thought that was the win off the bat. So he was just optimistic, but I was struggling. So I was trying to figure out how it was going to get going. Cause yeah. I had but I scored 13 in the last two minutes. So I had three of mm-hmm. that. So I was really struggling, but I didn't want to force it. So yeah. I just didn't play the game. So yeah, we, we felt good going to the to the second half for real. Like we felt confident. And as the second half started, North Carolina fans started piling in. Xavier yeah. started piling in and they want us to win, of course. So then that like changed the whole dynamic for real. Yeah. And I think that's one of the great, like weirdest part about March Madness because you got like six games mm-hmm. for when it's the first round you got six games in the stadium mm-hmm. throughout the day and mm-hmm. you can always tell it's like five minutes left you see the fans of the game after just piling in and it's like a mix of a whole bunch of stuff no one's leaving from the previous game but you're just getting more and more people coming in mm-hmm. and so like you said second half you guys were pretty good. You mm-hmm. were very good. You guys are down two. It's 56, 54. Mm-hmm. Talk, run us through the play. Uh, this is after you missed the free throw, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, so so what's crazy is when when they had the ball, I was trying to foul Rico Gathers. Like, I'm actually right in front of the ref, and I'm holding Rico Gathers' jersey because it was on our scout that he's a terrible free throw shooter. So he's looking at me and I'm looking at the ref and he's like, I'm not going to call that. So they call it on Cherry, who's like super solid. He's like 88 from the love. Yeah. So when Cherry gets, it, I'm like, damn. So I'm, I'm plotting for like just trying to go get a quick two and just trying to extend the game. Okay. So it's, and I'm like almost in shock at first. I'm like, oh, he just missed it. And I think my roommate is the boy. And I look at Kevin like, bro, I need, I, like, I just left. I think like, yeah. I think like 11 10, which is a, a ton of time, like a ton of time. Like I have multiple options. So I was going to shoot the first shot just so we could get an O board, just try to get some on the, on the rim, just so we can maybe get an O board and a kick out. So I come across half and I kind of cross over and I look, I'm way too deep. Like I'm way too deep. So I kind of toss it to my roommate, our big man, and he kind of tosses it back. And I was going to get in trying to drive, but I realized they kind of switched. So I just kind of popped behind and it was the cleanest look game. After that, it was just a shot. Like when I shot it, it felt good. I didn't realize I made it to probably five seconds later and I was like oh shit but then I'm realizing like I'm realizing two 2.7 seconds is way too long like I'm a March Madness fanatic like my dad was a college yeah. everything yeah. to me so I'm already thinking of different scenarios so I was really on to the next like how can we get this stop and not let them get a shot off yeah and uh my favorite part about the clip is your dad because mm-hmm. what he had he had surgery and he yeah, is yeah. on that scooter he had a torn Achilles. He didn't even get surgery yet because he did it in the conference tournament. Oh, that's right. And then the, he jumps up mm-hmm. and falls down. It is one of the funniest reactions. <laughs> it's priceless because it's just uh, pure joy. Uh-huh. Like he's he's laughing at himself. He's not. Like, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It's the best part. Um, what was that exchange like after the game between you and your dad after you make that shot? um 
I mean, we just hugged. And I mean, we all, everyone, even in that locker room knows him. So no one was surprised he fell off the chair. Like he just, he's, that's the things he does is every day. So yeah, we were, we were less surprised about the reaction, but we were just laughing that he thought why he fell is he thought he he forgot that he was on the stool. So if you look, he thought he wanted to like jump up and yell like he was on his yeah. knees. He's just a nut, but it, he was just so happy because like that means everything to him. Like this is everything he works for. Yeah. Like this is everything that this is just so many years of losses of failure of everything that I've seen up close. So it was just more of he was just kind of he was numb with just happiness and he's already like energy off the roof as a grown mm, man yes bouncing off the water george state being that mid-major not the big conference you know they yeah. don't those smaller conferences whenever they have those big moments it just seems like it just adds to the whole march madness effect yeah yeah and that's that's what it happens every year someone has one of those small schools we saw it multiple times this year. Curious, why do you think that happens every year? Like, is it, is it just like a, is it just an energy of March, or do you think it's, uh, or do you think it's, um, like the power of belief? Like these teams see this happen every year, and it happen now. The underdog mentality is real. That makes that elevates you. Like we saw St. Peter's this year. Mm -hmm. I mean. All those guys, no, none of those guys got like power five, power six offers. Like mm. some of them might have gotten one, but wanted to actually play minutes. Mm -hmm. And my favorite, the weirdest thing about March Madness is how like the 5 12 matchup mm. is always at least one or at least one or two every yeah. year. Yeah, yeah. And that I was, it's, I was stupid. It, yeah, so I'm so curious because it happens every year. Every single year you can count on it. And it's like, mm -hmm. you know, as the years go on, it almost gets crazier. So I always wonder and ask, like, what do you think that's about? I, I, re I really, like, besides thinking it's like the underdogs, like that underdog mentality is like the biggest thing. And, you know, it's, it's definitely, schools. no, I definitely agree. I do think it's a part of that just because. You're on the same stage as everyone, and like we never played on a stage near that big, so we're just taking it all in, and we're like, oh yeah, we we definitely belong here. Especially mm -hmm. when you've never been on a stage and you get on it, and you feel like you belong. You kind of it's it's probably something crazier happening than you imagine. Like, well, yeah, let's yeah, like Kentucky, Kansas, they play in environments kind of close to that mm -hmm. every game throughout mm -hmm. the season because everybody wants to at least see Kentucky right. or Kansas or Duke. Right. But one, but Georgia State, St. Peter's, Richmond, mm -hmm. never get to see environment, rarely get to see environments like that, unless they're playing one of those big top blue bloods. Right. And so I think that's the main thing. I think it's like you want to make a name for yourself on the biggest stage where sometimes maybe you can't tell the difference in intensity. Mm -hmm. that's 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 my opinion about March Madness I I love a double digit seed a teen seed winning a game and March Madness is the best even though it messes up my bracket mm -hmm. that you know it was like $30 $20 a bracket and so but even that like I would I would think there would be more brackets on point in a year you know but no one can call it no one can call any of that like basketball is a pretty like 
like rhythmic predictable game too so like there's a lot of gurus probably making the probably making the right choices on their bracket but it's like you just never know and the crowds come in too i swear that plays along into it so after that junior year you declare for the draft Mm -hmm. what were you hearing going like going into the combine draft stuff on where you were going to get drafted Mm -hmm. so so like I was saying earlier, I was at that Kevin Durant camp and the LeBron camp, and there was just so much going on there that I wasn't on a board or anybody's radar. After that, I was just somehow like 27th on the board. Yeah. And so I was going into the season. And I'm telling my dad, I'm like, yo, this is like a window. Like if it's going to be like this when I'm after this season, I'm going to have to go like if this, yeah. that's so. Um, so, yeah, the year started and me being as young as I am, I was keeping up with it. And I don't know if that hurt me or helped me at the time, but it was fluctuating throughout the weeks and the games. And I was like, and and looking back, I should not have been doing that. But it's like, it's like, how could you not? Like, it's like, it, mm-hmm. it was, it was such a thing to me. And it was like, it happened out of nowhere. So I just felt like it was a moment that I had to play perfect or else I'd fuck it off. So anyway, um, everything happened. And um, the game happened and the tournament 100% helped my stock. And, you know, we just felt like there's a small window when you can strike hot. And we just felt like we had the momentum and leverage to do that. And going into it, I was just hearing, I was hearing first round. I was, I was hearing like 18. The best I was hearing was like 17, 18 to like, my agent was being very realistic that we could dip to the second round because anything happened. So, yeah, it's funny when workouts started. I was when I was when it was time to work out for Boston. I was just dead. I was dead tired. I was kind of running around. I think I was in Toronto, and it was like my seventh or eighth workout. And I called my agent, like, "Yeah, I don't want to go to Boston. Like, I don't want to do the workout." Mm-hmm. And he was, he was like, "What?" And I was like, "Yeah, I want to go home and just like I need some rest. So I'm gonna burn out. Like this is summer, yeah." And he was like, "Yeah, summer, but it's the draft, and you know, if you skip this, like Danny's gonna hate that. He's not gonna take you." And I'm like, "He's not gonna take me for sure." He's like, he's definitely not going to take you. And I'm like, that's the risk I got to take. Boston had two first-round picks that year. Mm-hmm. So they had 16 and 28. Mm-hmm. And so uh, and did you go? Like right outside the second, which is basically first. Yeah. Yeah, and they had 33. What is it? What is that like? What is it like to actually be drafted? And so, like, take me through that whole day. So you're like, walk, you start watching, right? You and. Mm-hmm. You just hearing all the names that aren't RJ Hunter being called, mm-hmm. like especially once you get into that, like probably like that 17, 18 range. Yeah. So I don't know. You start watching it and then you're kind of like, like, this is nuts. Like this is really happening right now. And then you, and then you start thinking a lot, like, or, or I started thinking a lot and I'm like, all right, like what's about to happen? Like, and then trades start popping off and then people you work start getting picked and then people in your agency start getting picked. So it started to get around like 24 or 25. And then you just kind of studying these teams, know who they're going to take. Like, you know, and these teams are taking bigs. These teams are taking whoever. They're not going guard. San Antonio is taking a foreign guy. <laughs> Probably most likely. Exactly. I'm, yeah. They picked Nikola Militov, something like that. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, San Antonio is going there. Right? So, <laughs> so then they got to Boston. It gets a 28 in Boston, and I almost tell the people, I'm like, we're in a room. I'm like, you can turn that off. Like, you can't turn that off. We're about to chill. Because at this point, I'm, like, tired of hearing and sitting and thinking about it. 
So yeah. it's like I'm a minute into the pick and I'm just kind of on my phone scrolling, texting my friends. And then my agent calls me and he's like, this is it. This is it. He's screaming. I'm like, this is what? He's like, no, nah, this is it. And then I look up and Adam Silver says it. And then my people just kind of go crazy. We're all going crazy. And I had like an event and I go outside and the first people I see is my friends and we go crazy. And then, and then, yeah, just like the, that's when the thinking begins. I like, go, oh, shit, I got summer league. Oh, shit, I got to be there. And then mm-hmm. yeah, the last is pretty short lived. Yeah. And most of the time being picked in that late first round, you're going to go to a decent team, a good team. Mm-hmm. And so like that first year in Boston, it had a lot of guys, not necessarily like a lot of them are still in the league now, mm-hmm. um, but it was a mix fairly young. Like, I guess it was led by David Lee, Amir mm-hmm. Johnson, but, I mean, Isaiah Thomas, Jared Solinger. And then you were in the same draft class with Scary Terry. Scary Terry, yeah, my boy. Um, talk, what What's that uh, rookie year like? Because, I mean, 48 and 34, pretty solid. Yeah. Yeah. No, we were solid and we weren't the most talented team, but we were tough. And Isaiah Thomas was super special. Like mm-hmm. we for, I, we forget so fast just because that it's not a it's not a diss to anyone. It's just a lot going on in the world in that league for sure. But he was special. Mm-hmm. He was an under talented team. He was an all star. He took that team to the playoffs. Like this, the shit that he was doing was insane that year. And I thought, and I was for sure thinking while this is happening, I'm like, oh, they're, like, they're going to put his number in the Raptors. He do this like two, three more years. Like, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, but, um, but yeah, we were just tough and we were very well coached and we were very well on one accord. And then we had the right pieces that year and we were just solid enough, you know, to make the playoffs. Like we won games and we had to, we beat Cleveland in Cleveland early, which was a huge win. I remember Avery Bradley like hit a buzzer beater and that's when we kind of like kind of took off from there as far as, I think we were we were fighting for the third seed. I'm not sure. It was I think we ended up being the fourth or fifth in the playoffs? Yeah, fifth. Yeah, fifth seed. I mean that. I mean that 2016 playoffs. One of the best playoffs we've had. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you guys played against the Hawks. That mm-hmm. Hawks team is just vets. Mm-hmm. They were All just so- top to bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they get swept by Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And, um. Yeah, did you did you actually did you play in those playoffs? Let's see. Yeah, so played five games. Yeah, every got hurt, so they were kind of splitting me and Terry minutes because Terry Terry wasn't really established in there trying to figure both of us out, and they kind of just threw us in. And you know, we played solid. Like that's a that's a huge moment. Like playoffs in Boston is heavy basketball, but yeah, we played well and we we played really well. One of the games at home, I think that won us that like gave us a lot of momentum going into that game four, but we just, we didn't play that well at playoffs. Like we were off. I don't know what was up with us. Cause that Hawks team was good, but we didn't even put up like a really good, a good fight against them. Like that was a, that was a disappointing performance, but uh, that was for sure a more solid season than anyone expected. I think. Yeah. Uh, how does a playoff, how does the playoff environment compare to March Madness? I'm curious. And different. Like, you know, it's loud and they sell out Boston games regardless throughout the regular season, but it's just an extra level of volume and energy that they have. It's like they want to win bad, bro. Like that's mm-hmm. not a thought. Like all all those fans come to that arena to win that game with that team. Like yeah. it's not like it's not a show. It's not a 
it's not entertainment to them. Like, this is a real deal. Like, they want to win. That city has all them rings. Like, there's just an energy, and they're just edgy how they cheer. Like, it's super dope, though. I remember I remember planning the playoffs, and I was like, I went over to Terry, and I'm like, bro, this is hella fun. Like, this is this is fun basketball. Like, this is an unbelievable environment. Like, that yeah. energy is Then you leave Boston after that season, mm-hmm. and you sign with the Bulls. And mm-hmm. I, ha- I have to tell you, I am a Dwayne Wade super mega fan. Same. <laughs> he just, it was something about him. Yeah. Something about him just clicked. Yeah. And you actually got to play with him, go through, mm-hmm. be on and off the court with him. What is it like? Yeah. Well, I'm the same as you. Like, I had the D-Wade Converse's, the orange, the black Ooh. suede accent in the middle. Like, okay. I love it. I wore three, like. I don't know. It was the same with you. It was something about him. But um, so, yeah, I missed I missed camp with the Bulls because I was in camp with the Celtics and they had cut me like the last day of before regular season. So I was kind of just I didn't really know anybody or anything going on. So my first day I'm in the Bulls facility and I'm just eating breakfast and I'm just like I'm, I'm just like whirlwinded because I've just been moving around and stuff. And I look up and I see D-Wade and I'm just kind of looking around like. Like, all right, this is D-Wade. Like, I've been in the league for a year, but it's like you still run into certain people where it's like, all right, like, this is nuts. So then I'm just kind of looking, and it's early. I'm tired, so I'm just looking. I'm just kind of like, no fucking way I'm teammates with Dwayne Wade right now. So I'm just looking at him and looking at him and looking at him. him. (laughs) So he finally pieced me over staring at him, and it wasn't like no creepy or weird shit, but I'm just like kind of just like, like I was a super, I'm super inspired by Dwayne Wade. Yeah. So, like, yo what's up you good like looking like like why are you looking at me this long and then he came over and introduced himself and uh he was just hella cool just like hella helpful hella in my ear with tips always trying to encourage me always looking over like hey good play and yeah. that, that was cool like not always that situation for people you meet uh that you're inspired by and he was all that and more in person so i don't got nothing but good things to say another big fan of I'm also a big fan of Jimmy Buckets. Yeah, he's a man. Jimmy Buckets. He, he fits heat culture perfectly. Yeah, he um, does. What, what was youngish Jimmy like as well? Because, I mean, that team that you played with, that was a good team. Yeah, it was a good team. They were just trying to figure it out. Yeah. It's, which, I mean, it's a long season. It's a lot of personalities and ego and firepower. But Jimmy was just a man. He wants to be top dog and he's going to work and he works as such. And he feels like he deserves to be that. And he's going to let it be known. And I respect that. You know, I, anybody that backs up, you know, what they believe in and like, isn't scared to say how they feel and isn't scared to make others uncomfortable and thrives in uncomfortability. Like I respect. Yeah. And I think that shows in his game and, in, you know, in tough moments, like he's very comfortable and, it, and even that shot he missed, like that's he was so comfortable shooting that shot with all the marbles on the line. And it's just like that's kind of who he is on and off the court. Like he comes off, I think he's an asshole. Like you think you hear all these things about Jimmy, and he is an asshole, but he's such a good dude, and he's he's not malicious, and everything he do is with a good heart. And he's trying to get to where he has to get to. And yeah. some people, and but he's not trying to step over nobody. He's not trying to show nobody up. Like he's a real good dude. But he he'll rather compete than come off as a good dude. You feel me? And some people exactly, just... yeah. You're talking about the shot. I didn't hate it. If you just, if you it. actually watch that play, Horford mm-hmm. was in position 
preparing for a drive. Like he was at he was at that angle just where he was able he can shuffle and defend the layup. So I I backed it up. It just broke my heart. I was sad. I was so upset that we lost. Horford's one of my guarding guards in the league. It like mm-hmm. and he's definitely good at guarding the a rim contest. So that's like almost the, it was to me almost the best option. I don't know. Then you play that season, the Bulls were an eight seed, get bounced, and then you go to another good team in the Houston Rockets. Mm-hmm. Playing with Harden and Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. You've played in your first three years, you played with Isaiah Thomas, Dwayne Wade, Jimmy Butler, Rajon Rondo. Mm-hmm. And now Harden and Paul. Mm-hmm. What is uh, what do you notice each time as you leave and go to a new place? Like intensity with those guys. Like just comparing Isaiah Thomas to how it was with Butler, Wade, Rondo, to comparing them to Harden and Paul. I think those guys. I think they just find a way to separate themselves. Like I remember. Like I remember in Chicago before every game, I would kind of just go get shots up before the game. And D-Wade and Jimmy being their full sweat, full workout, mm-hmm. full on giving it everything they have. And everyone else, all the other teammates are nowhere to be found, probably at home somewhere, you know? So yeah. James, um, he runs stadium stairs. Like some guys get shots after he gets shots, everyone goes, he runs stadium stairs. Really? Chris Paul lifts before, he lifts after, he lifts after games. He eats great. He's, I think he's vegan. He is. He's, yeah. ultra, he's, he's like, he's like, on the ultimate prowl about how he can be his best basketball self. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, it's just the focus, I think. And you said it, the world is intensity, but it's the intensity with the intention. Like they're trying to focus with this intensity. Like, it's just not like, a lot of guys are talented in the league, like, but who's mm-hmm. gonna apply, who's gonna put that one stop focus and be like, I'm the top dog and I'm gonna separate myself. Yeah. And done that over, I feel like a time and it just compounds and you just literally separate yourself from the pack. Yeah. And uh, yeah, do you, is there any stories that you want to share about like that Houston Rockets? Because, you know, they, maybe if you have a story with Harden and Paul, because we all know how it ended, it was an ugly breakup. Mm-hmm. You know, you feel it? I was actually, I'm not even lying to you. I was surprised that they didn't get along when I found it out. And yeah. It, I, like when I was with them, I couldn't tell. Like, but that group was so independent and they were so older and vet, and they were on everyone was on their own time. Like, this wasn't a matter of any, it couldn't have been anything personal. Like, it just had to be like a, a, a hoop thing that wasn't clicking for both of them. Both of them are ball dominant, both of them want to control the game. So, I mean, let's just read between the lines. Like, that's going to cause tension. Yeah. But, like, I'm looking at it from a skill standpoint. I'm like, I've never learned so much just watching people just hoop and just like there's a whole method behind the madness. The stories I have are just like the hoop stuff that they told me. Like them, them dudes is literally too chill and, and too on their own time for drama. It was they was coming there to hoop and they was on their way out. And other than that, like I remember, I just remember James Harden. Like I just tried to figure out like what that setup is. Like because these guys are too intentful. So I know this. Like I know this setup means something. And then I just started watching him. Like his eyes is his, his eyes are crazy. Like he peeps help, he peeps feet, he peeps help, he peeps feet. Like mm-hmm. no one else does that. Chris Paul, little stuff. Like whenever he's whenever there's the bonus, he might Chris Paul might be out the game. If Chris Paul is out the game, he looks up at the scoreboard and sees they're in the bonus. 
he'll he'll fuck around, sub himself and go in there and he'll sweep, get a foul, he's going to the line. If Chris, yeah. if there's a bonus situation and Chris Paul has the ball, he's going to the line. And it's just like these are little things they don't miss out on that. That's what these little things add up and make them great. Yeah, definitely. And big Chris Paul supporter. Mm. Once the Suns got eliminated in the playoffs this year, everybody hated Chris Paul. I'm I'm never not gonna like Chris Paul. He's right. just one of those guys. I would I want him on my team. Right. He's just one of those guys. That's a must. Yeah. And so after that, you have stints with the Hawks and then the Celtics again. Mm. So to just so far in your career, we'll we'll go we'll go a list of a couple, a couple different things. Who uh, like a little superlatives? Who's like the fun? Who's the funniest teammate you've ever played with? The funniest. Funniest. Either Doe, either Rajon Rondo, or. Or Terry, but James Harden is under yeah, hell of funny though. He's got a funny, he's got a funny sense of humor. He has he, he will laugh all the time. But I think I think Terry's like consistently the funniest person I've probably ever met. For real. what what is what what makes Terry so funny? It, you would never know unless you know him. But it's just like his comments on things and the things he says is hilarious. But it's like he's quiet, so it's when he speaks his quality. So you really gotta you kind of okay. gotta. Him, but if you was around him for a week, you know exactly what I was talking about. Most intense, like who took basketball the most serious? Hmm. And you got, I mean, that's you got a, so many guys. That's a good question. I have a feeling it would have to be either Rondo or Paul. Rondo, not so Rondo, not as much as you would think. Really? Yeah. Chris Paul, yeah. Chris Paul. He doesn't fuck around. Yeah, definitely Chris Paul. Like he's just like he's almost like the professor, you know. Mm-hmm. Like he's just very grown and professional about his game and about his development. Still as a as a player that's done everything, and he's just hungry, you know. Like he he wants that ring. Like being behind the scenes with him, he really wants to win. Like I know that hurt him not to win this year. I know yeah. because put a lot of pain and work in, and and it's not just for the game he's like working as hard as he does for preparation working out stretching he does that after the game like mm-hmm. he matches energy after the game so it's like yeah. not not many do that haven't seen you uh, yeah. do that in my in my experience really? they probably out off research but they was the only ones doing that at the time james harden and chris ball was the only ones lifting after after game who would you say is the best player you ever played with i caught d wade out on the end so obviously like let legacy wise it's Dwayne Wade, not even close. I think yeah. like best player I saw. Uh it's probably it was probably Jimmy Butler because I think James Harden was really good, but that team was really good. And they and, and Chris Paul was really good that year. And they had PJ Tucker, Trevor Reza, Clint Capella, Ryan Anderson, yeah, Eric Gordon. Like they were super good, had a bench and shooters and depth and height. So mm-hmm. yeah. I, I think Jimmy, I think Jimmy's like, he's, he operates on a level that people don't peep. Like him getting to the line in, uh, in the Boston series is all calculated. Like he's not the most skilled or talented. He has to work for everything he has and he has to think about everything he gets. So I think that's everyone else. God given talent. Yeah. And kind of manufacture his talent in a way. And he's like, he plays chess with hoop. So I think that's cool to see. It's a different way to go about it. Yeah. 
Let's talk some of the NBA finals this year. Who are, are you rooting for the Celtics? Uh, I'm so here's the thing. I Steph Curry is like he's the one for me. Like he when I saw him, I was on him early Davidson. I was on him early Davidson before he even popped off. Like when Elon was double teaming him and not even worried about the other team, and he still got like 27. Like I was on Steph heavy, like heavy influence on this game. So I want to see Steph win, but I got so much love and respect for the Celtics that like it would be super cool to see all of them win too. Like, and and all those guys are are, are super real and authentic and cool and good people and young and talented and deserving. So it's a win-win to me. Like I want to see the guy that I'm inspired by and the guy that's like helped me win. Yeah. But I want people I worked with and the people I know, people that respect me and that I respect, and I got mutual love for wins. So it's it's a win-win. So I, I it's I'm trying to figure out who I want to win because it switches in the game. It's like mm-hmm. kill yeah. Steph. Like it's like damn, they're being annoying. Like come on, subjects. You feel me? Like so I don't yeah. know. I yeah I I've switched so many times. I want I. At first, I wanted Boston to win, so it makes the Heat look better. Because mm. we lost, we would have lost to the champs. Mm-hmm. But it, I really like Curry, Wiggins. I'm a Michigan fan, so I love Jordan Poole. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm really torn. This has been a great series, though. Like mm. it's just overall uh, real competitive, and that's finals. Happy with either one winning, really. Mm-hmm. Curry get finally could get his finals MVP. I don't know though. Andrew Wiggins. Hey, what what? And can we talk about Iguodala getting that first one? Like, was that was that actually necessary? Uh, no, no. It was <laughs> it was it's still ridiculous. It's still probably the worst finals MVP because you know everybody talking about Iguodala's defense, but LeBron averaged. Almost a triple double, a thirty point triple double a game. He managed him, huh? That's crazy. Yeah. That's being managed, by the way. Yeah, and he and it's not like Iguodala did great. He had sixteen mm-hmm. per game. It was it's still to this day probably one of the worst, oh, just award winners ever. I'm yeah, but I'm I'm a LeBron supporter as well. If the, if also that Kevin has to be Love considered, yeah, Kevin Love and Kyrie didn't get hurt too. Who knows? Who knows what would have happened? Yeah, yeah, but but you can do that with every season. Though. There's a yes. There's caveats, asterisks to every single thing. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Like Boston probably wouldn't have won the second round if Middleton was playing for the Bucks. Yes, but can we, but the run is insane. The who they've had to beat in this journey is crazy. If they pull us off, has to be one of the best playoff runs. I I support it. I support it because I mean, going through KD, Kyrie, Sweet. Giannis. Yes, Giannis, who was doing crazy stuff. Gian, Giannis, the best basketball player in the NBA right now. He looked like it. He looked then like going it. going against. I mean, just a, the ultimate playoff team defense in the Miami Heat, where all those guys have had their run. Yeah. In the playoffs, and now now you're going against the dynasty. Yeah. That took two years off and now is back. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying these these finals. It sucks that 
my team's not in it, but that kind of makes it less stressful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, great basketball game play, like, mm-hmm. and it's like that. I like that we're back, and I was waiting for this moment when basketball's back to you. You have to hoop together to win. You yeah. know what I mean? And I love James Harden, but like he's gonna have to like trust to get one of them rings. Like to do it to try and do that by your own is insane. Like yeah. to try series what with 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 just like trying everyone trying to score on their own is crazy like you need connection you need cuts you need baseline snakes and kickouts you need multiple drives like mm-hmm. and both they're doing that and the thing about the league is they trend on whoever wins so everyone's got to start doing that from the top down so that is good about the game so what's so what's your prediction who what's who's gonna win I, I, I said warriors in six in the beginning just because just really off experience not to overthink it like because this is a heavy moment and, and you know in Boston for the Celtics it's heavier times too so these are young guys and it's and it's extremely difficult to perform consistently in that environment like and that's and that's not any knock on any of them that's what every great has had to do you got to yeah. go through fail from that and then go from that experience Steph keeps talking about I'm in my prime now because of experience 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 it's not about my body anything else so and it's tough now because golden state is looking forward to this flight back to boston they want to get to this win they're excited and you know boston's kind of drained they were very tired and a lot of short shots on the last one and they got to fly back to boston and kind of get up for the game and golden state's excited or not get up but you know they have to match that yeah so i kind of difficult yeah i kind of like how it's east coast versus west coast mm-hmm, that's cool e- it's equal challenge you know you yeah you're both doing four-hour flights mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like I like- yeah it's not like you know we've had what was it Cleve- cleveland to golden state not as bad we had the toronto to uh golden state, golden state and then bubble milwaukee, <laughs> milwaukee the phoenix come on <laughs> yeah, that's not yeah. Bad. that's not that bad. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. You still have Warriors in six? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Just how just how the last game went because the one thing about the Celtics that I thought they were going to win because they're winning without Tatum playing well, right? Mm-hmm. So it was like, all right, they get Tatum going, they're really going to get them out of there. But now they now they're trying to still find that one seam. Golden mm-hmm. State found it, and it's like. They're still trying to figure it out. Golden State's in the pocket. It's just going to be tough. Game six, Clay. Game six, Clay. Steph oh. didn't play that game. You know he's not going to shoot bad twice. So Yeah. yeah. Oh. But, yeah, I, I agree at this point. It's Warriors, are, I feel like, can do it now. Now's their time yeah. to strike. Because if Boston wins in Boston, because you know that crowd's going to be insane, Yeah, they're going to have all the confidence in the world. Yeah. So Boston was huge. Like I thought, I thought they were gonna win that and then win the game or win the series. And I thought in that game and go win it and go in state and just clean it up. Yeah. But great series, great basketball. RJ, it has been an honor interviewing you. It's been a blast. Uh, Hopefully, we get you on again at some point. Thank you for having me, bro. Had a great time and a great talk. I appreciate you. Of course. One more thing. I forgot to mention what you're doing now. So you started your own clothing line. Mm-hmm. Let's let's talk about that. What was your inspiration started? Yeah, so it really just started for me because I was 
I was struggling just having finding balance, just having all this off time in my day and appointing all my energy to one thing in one sport, really not really having a purpose or really not having space for anything else. So I just wanted to start something for my own that gave me a space. And I started it. It's called Cosmic because for me, it was that space away from all the space where I could kind of go and be myself. So oh, that's smart. I, I just started it and uh, I got in traction and I became good at it and studied how to make clothing, studied how to screen print, studied how to embroider. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of became my pastime. And I had just got hurt in Australia this past uh, season. So that's all I've been spending my time on. And I've been getting a lot on it so um it's been really cool and more than that it's just been a balance and what that's been for me I kind of just want to provide for anyone else involved yeah you're gonna have to hook us up I was looking at the Instagram and that's some pretty good stuff you like it I appreciate that yeah yeah I I like the shirts I like the t-shirts graphic tees you know I've I've been needing those I got you I got you Yeah. yeah it's really cool that you know because you see people like once they're once they retire Mm-hmm. get into other stuff but i like how you're doing it still while you're playing basketball too exactly exactly and so that's pretty awesome i appreciate you coming on again <laughs> I, I realized after we stopped recording i was like oh my god no i that appreciate that was one that, thing your agent told me not to forget well i appreciate y'all both but thank you for that i appreciate it yeah but thank you again we'll have you on i'll go buy some shirts don't do that, bro. Literally text me your address and I'll send it to you. Oh, no. Stop. Bro, I'm serious. Don't do that. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you guys for listening. Oh, thank you.